Some movies are highbrow, some movies are lowbrow. Welcome to Highbrow Lowbrow. I'm Josh Gershenbaum. I'm Cooper Gagan. Each week we pick a topic and talk about two movies that fit that topic. One highbrow and one lowbrow. This week the topic, road trips. <laughs> road trips. You got some friends, you get on the road, you go to a place. On the highbrow side, we've got Little Miss Sunshine. On the lowbrow side, we've got... Euro trip. And I want to I want to get this out of the way. I want to be very clear. Yeah, I know you're thinking, all right, the topic is road trips. There is a movie called Road Trip. This is the topic, of, this is the subject of some debate. I want to know, we, we, we hear you, we hear you imaginarily, we, we... But we all know that you secretly want to talk about Eurotrip more anyway. Right, we decided, you know, that uh, we thought that Eurotrip uh, was a little more of a fun movie. I think, um, I haven't seen either of them in a while, these are both kind of throwbacks, but uh, we just thought Eurotrip would be a little more fun, uh, a little more... And we also already did a Todd Phillips movie with The Hangover, so... Uh, yeah, I forgot that was Todd Phillips. I haven't yeah. actually seen Road Trip, oh. I just, I feel like I also don't know anybody else who has seen Road Trip. I remember it's like funny but also i saw it when i was so young and like at that point i was so, I literally was like middle school where the whole thing was like if there was a movie that had curses and boobs in it five stars like instantly oh you know my God. so i just i don't even know if, if the i really don't know if road i mean euro trip only kind of held up that I brings mean, me to watching euro trip for the first time and seeing that hot tub scene when i was i don't know when did this come out 2004 yeah 14 years old boobs as big as a house <laughs> it was amazing what an in theater experience wait okay sidebar okay sidebar this is un- unrelated to unrelated either to of these movies. Okay, I I was driving today in Pasadena and I saw snow, snow in Pasadena, and then I sent a text to our group friend, group friend text and I said, "Oh guys, I think it's snowing in Pasadena." And the only response I got was, "Fuck you, you're not in Pasadena because you're somebody, in San Marino or something, right?" Which is which is Pasadena? It's one of those fake <laughs> neighborhoods. It's not a real neighborhood. I was so upset. I saw snow in the greater Los Angeles area, and everyone's just giving me fucking geography guff. Eric, we're calling you out, Eric. Yeah, you come on down and fight us via being our guest, beloved father of one. Yeah, we'll do snow. We'll do that 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 uh, snow. Liam Neeson one. Uh, the Gray? No, no, the other snow Liam Neeson one. Where he's like Cold a, Pursuit? Yeah, that okay, one. Where's yeah. the, where the snow truck driver? We could do highbrow, lowbrow Liam Neeson movies because the Gray actually is, is like... Is highbrow? Oh, I think so, yeah. It's, okay. It's very... Sure. But it's still very much like a Liam Neeson, I'm using air quotes, Liam Neeson movie because, you know, it's like him and a bunch of guys and they're like, he, he, you know, he fights a wolf. In yeah. It. But it's very much just sort of like about like groups of men and how we like band together to like face our fear of death. And because like the wolves are like a very heavy-handed metaphor for death, as they always are, right? And it's it's actually a very <laughs> name a wolf movie where it's not a heavy-handed metaphor for death. I mean, or maybe like the na- nature, I guess. Yeah, I mean, day after tomorrow, it's not a wolf movie, but there are wolves uh, in it. Fine, yeah. And then like I don't know, White Fang or some shit. I mean, yeah, I, maybe it's a metaphor. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't White think Fang. so. I think it's, yeah. it's the wild. Okay, I'm totally wrong. I, I, I came in hot. The gray is is quite good. And okay. if we ever want to do a hybrid lowbrow Neeson. It would be a good highbrow, and we could really. It should be taken, though. Well, right? we should. I was thinking we should do like abduction and be like token versus the J. Paul Getty one. <laughs> oh, all the money in the world. Yeah. Oh god, I uh, that movie wasn't for me. All the money in the world. I don't think it was for anybody. Yeah, and I mean, Including I tried people who made it, and we're like, oh god damn it, we hired the worst criminally bad man in the world, and now we have to digitally alter him out. And apparently, that was fine. I don't know. Oh yeah, they, well, they replaced him with Christopher Plummer, and they great. did reshoots. Yeah, Christopher Plummer's good. We, yeah, we should put him in all our movies. We should put him in on this podcast if he is alive. Yeah, we could replace. He, he can replace me. Yeah, I want my, I want my weekends. My weekends back. Christopher Plummer can fucking watch these movies. Uh, so, so Euro Trip. Euro Trip. We decided to do that instead of Road Trip. I know Road Trip is the cleaner uh, comparison because, you know, they're actually like in a car driving across America, just like in Little Miss Sunshine, where they're in an RV driving across. Not all of America, just Arizona to Redondo Beach. Yeah. And I will say, I think uh, it's it's a little bit of, as you say, a slant rhyme between these two movies. Yeah. I was struggling a little bit more to find some parallels. Well, I think the big issue. So, Road Trip. But they are the same thing. Right. They are like travelogue movies. Structurally. But, Structurally. They're exactly the same. But Eurotrip, I, I think the thing about it is that it's really hard to find like a there there. Right. It's such a uh, like 2006 comedy that's like really, tr- it's almost trying to, every time it, you think it's going to like tell a story, it tries really hard not to, I think. Yeah. And that's to its credit because of like, what it is. It's just jokes. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Because they these characters for, for the kind of comedy set piece struggles they go to they don't go through any emotional struggles no like if there, if there is like a low point it's like so cartoonish and th- like the only time i ever even kind of went like oh like a little bit of tugging the heart like the slightest flick of the heartstrings was uh 
when the the twin who is kind of dorky yeah. sells his fancy camera so yeah, they can have nice. tickets to get to Rome and see yeah. Mika. We should. Uh, we should we, want to talk about yeah. the. Okay, let, okay. let you, me run through. Can you do Euro Trip? And yes. I'll, I'll do. I think I can do a little sunshine. It's gonna start with me just singing the entire song. Scotty doesn't know. We, should, we need to have like a twenty minute discussion about that song by the band ahead. Lustra, and it's good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Scott is dumped by his girlfriend shortly after high school graduation for being too boring and predictable. Upon finding out, his German pen pal Mike professes feelings for his feelings for him, which causes Scott to freak the fuck out and cut ties with him entirely. Then Scott discovers that Mike is actually Mika, an attractive German woman, not the man as he had always thought throughout the enti- their entire pen pal ship. Mm-hmm. And since Mika has blocked his email, Scott embarks on a trip to Germany to get together with her in person. He and his buddies overcome hardships, which include nude beaches, meth-head truckers, Dutch, Dutch sex dungeons, and the Vatican. In the end, Scott finds Mika, and they have sex immediately, and it just it resolves instantly. Everything works out fine which I like. I like, I like that. I like that there wasn't like a big to-do about it. And yeah. then they end up going to college together and effectively moving in instantly, which right. is the worst idea. I know, but you know what? It's fine because she's hot and it's a, the, the point of this movie is that you should have sex with hot women that's it's like you know yeah. just, it's a it's oh okay a okay which okay to do do okay do do a little bit of sunshine and i this that reminds me of like my one my one theory that links these two movies together okay. i'm excited to try to try to do it i know you so you prepped a, a thing for for i'm doing a little bit of sunshine off the cuff but i, I, I do okay. know it somewhat well okay so uh there's a family and, and end of end of description there is a family and uh, all of them are kind of struggling right now. They're, uh, the the father runs this sort of motivational seminar that isn't getting off the ground. The father, the grandfather does uh, heroin. The son is taking a vow of silence, um, et cetera, et cetera. So the daughter likes doing these uh, beauty pageants for kids. She gets invited to do Little Miss Sunshine in Redondo Beach. They live in Albuquerque. So they all have to pile into the car, into the RV and get over there so that she can perform. Everything goes wrong. The car starts to break down. The grandfather dies. Um, the father, his motivational thing, his book, book, his book deal, right? His book deal falls through and they sunk a lot of their money into that. So that's sort of a huge blow. Uh, eventually they make it to the beauty pageant and, uh, they discover that the dance that all of the daughter was supposed to do is, uh, super, uh, set to super freak by Rick James it's and it's fantastic. And they almost get kicked out, but instead the whole family bands together and decide that they're okay being quote unquote losers. And they drive off into the sunset in their RV in a perfect blending of text and subtext and metaphor and emotion. And it's, it's succinctly put, I almost cried multiple times in this movie. All that I, okay. This movie is directed by Jonathan Dayton and Valerie Ferris and written by Michael Arndt. Uh, this screenplay by Michael Arndt, I think it was in the top 20, uh, screenplays of the century so far. The WGA did a list. I think it could be even higher. It's one of those things that like, it feels very, you know, it's like a, a, a dysfunctional family does dysfunctional family stuff. But like, Every character is so well done. They're right on the borderline of like quirky and interesting, but not so quirky they become unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's it, great. They're balancing so many different. Uh, well, there's just a lot of characters, and they all have their own shit going on. Yeah. Oh, real quick sidebar: Euro Trip was directed by Jeff Schaefer, and it was written by Jeff Schaefer, Alec Berg, and David Mandel, which is funny because I have a friend named David Mandel. Uh, so it's a quick different side- one. It's I want to do, different. I want to do a sidebar about the creators of Euro Trip because okay. I was I, I was mean, looking Alec Berg. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. So it's interesting. So Alec Berg, as you know, very famous showrunner, uh, came out of Seinfeld, but also co-showruns Barry, uh, Silicon Valley. He's known as like the most brilliant like structured guy for comedy. Well, he also did the Cat in the Hat. His films are interesting. He al- the Dictator. So David Mandel uh, ran the last few seasons of Veep. Oh, also Mandel. came out of okay. also came out of Seinfeld. Also did all this stuff. Jeff Schaefer created the League. Also knew these guys from Seinfeld. Uh, these okay. are these guys. So Jeff Schaefer never directed another movie again, but according to Wikipedia, they all directed this, wrote and directed this movie together. But Schaefer got the credit because there are DGA rules about that. Mm-hmm. I just the idea that these these are the three like absolutely like titan level showrunners in Hollywood who have like run some of the biggest comedies and were part of some of the most like artfully like interestingly plotted like this, the plotting on Seinfeld is so like oh yeah rock great. solid. And the one time they banded together for a movie, it's Euro. It's trip. perfect. It's great. It, but it's like it's so. Not, it's, it's not perfect. It's like <laughs> I'm so get yelled not, at for saying it's perfect. It's so not their style. It's they're so they're known for these kind of like very character based, irreverent, really smart plotting stuff. And True. Euro Trip is just sort of like bits. Okay, I will say it is the plotting is smart in its efficiency. And yeah, no, it, no, it works very well. Because there like, are comedies that do not bother with plotting, and it's just kind of a thing they kind of slap in. And it's like the plot only really kicks in in the third act. This right. one does have a plot. Yes. It's dumb, <laughs> but it works. But like with this, I'm just saying, if you told me that the three of the biggest comedy showrunners 
with experienced comedy showrunners in Hollywood banded together to make a movie, and you told me that movie was Little Miss Sunshine or Euro Trip, I would probably think it's Little Miss Sunshine just based on like the level of talent. And it's just so amazing to me that the movie they chose to make is this like very goofy juvenile sex yeah. comedy. I, it I, it may kind of makes sense to me because that would also be earlier in their careers. It's still after Seinfeld, though. Yeah, true. Um, although pre the league, pre uh, um, the league is a show that is baffling that I like it so much because I hate football, you don't, hate fantasy football, especially hate fantasy football. I I hate, hate bros. The fa- I hate the fact that my friends like fantasy football because it makes it harder to talk to them for me. <laughs> uh, I was like, that's the only take I have on. I have no idea how these these three dudes made this movie. It's super interesting that they did. Yeah. Um, so okay. what is your okay. connection? You have you have a take. So I think the it's it's like half of a take. So I need you to help me develop this take. We're going to do it live. Okay. So I think that the the connecting tissue between these two movies is that is the kind of hedonist character who gets punished for his hedonism, which it's basically Alan Arkin in Little Miss Sunshine. The grandfather. And it's Cooper. I right. For, I forget the char- the actor's name. I also don't know the actor's name. And it's funny because Alan Arkin, he's a hedonist. He says you got to fuck a lot of women. You got to yeah, do all do, this. Yeah. He starts doing heroin as an old man because he's like, you'd be crazy not to do heroin as an old man. Yeah. In his defense, he does say you would be crazy to do it as a young man. He's yeah. Like telling I, people not I, to I do agree it. with him on all of his points. <laughs> and then, um, and then he dies of an o- heroin overdose. And right. He's basically like kind of. Not karmically, but in the world of the show, kind of punished punish for, for flying too close to the sun yeah. in terms of hedonism. Okay. And then Cooper is has the same kind of life philosophy, but he is like earlier in his life. Right. And he's also not as successful at it. Because the other funny thing is Alan Arkin is very successful at it because he says when he's in a retirement community, he was sleeping everybody. He's doing great. Successful hedonist. Yeah. Cooper failed hedonist he has like his bit where he like sees some boobs but he like is clearly not popular with women right but he has his ethos so he wants to sleep with a lot of women right he has a whole speech about like this is our big we're in europe so this is our big chance to like broaden our sexual horizons. yeah he's basically uh, he also has that speech that's like the reverse of the guy in love actually who wants to come to america because britain is too uh too prudish right but it's the exact opposite of that he's like don't you know america was founded by prudes bro yeah they hated sex so much that they came over here yeah and then he is punished by getting fucked in the ass with a dildo (laughs) gun in amsterdam Yeah, and uh, and like every every other time he tries to do something that's like, oh, we're doing sex things in Europe, he just it doesn't land at all. Yeah, I mean, weirdly, so those are the two. Sweet. Yeah, but those are the two like through line. Those are the two thematic elements in these movies that I can see running in parallel with each other. And it <laughs> it's these characters that are kind of similar, although one is maybe a more successful version, or maybe he is like just the older version. Right. And But they end in the same way, which is weirdly punishing these characters for this. I think what's interesting though is, and again, I'm uh, pretending that this is a real thing we're talking about. It is, is a real thing. <laughs> so the Alan I Arkin, just said it. It's real. The Alan Arkin character, the grandfather, is his whole thing is he can do this because he's at the end of his life and he doesn't care about the consequences. Yeah. Right. And his whole ethos is like a real loser is someone who is so afraid of losing. They don't even try. Right. Right. So whereas Cooper, not you, is young and, uh, (laughs) unlike me, (laughs) unlike you, (laughs) and he can still like face consequences for that. Right. Like, so Although, he, doesn't, he, so he well, doesn't have the... Con- and he has to learn He that, doesn't like, face consequences... He doesn't get fucked in the ass. Well, <laughs> yes, that is a major <laughs> consequence for him. I, well, I will say, weirdly... I mean, this is a world in which consequences don't really exist. Right, and even... Except then, for getting fucked in the ass. But even that, he kind of takes in stride. Like, he still takes the free t-shirt. Yeah. And he's sort of just like, you know, that happens. I mean, he kind of accepts. He's like, you know, I I should have looked at the safe word. That When he sees the safe word, it's so funny. It's such a great... Also, it, Lucy Lawless... Oh, that is Lucy That's Lawless. That's Lucy Lawless. Oh, yeah. she's so good. She's so great. Yeah. Um, very, very excited for that uh, Xena reboot that they've been working on. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, in, I'm into that. I didn't yeah. even know about it's that. It's sort of been in the... I don't know where in development it is, but the whole idea that they would, she would actually... Instead of just like the subtext of her being in a lesbian relationship, it would like actually... It's going oh, to be the text like this that. time. That's great. Yeah, it's been in development forever. I hope... I mean, I'm sure they'll just announce that it's out on fucking Schmorgus Plus, whatever the next... Yeah, the Swedish... Streaming service... It, it, that that's like uh, Spotify's new platform because they're Swedish. <laughs> Are they? Yeah, didn't know that. Yeah, the Swedes. Good I think music. they're Swedish. They're from Scandinavia. Yeah. Um, um, wait. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, so, oh, okay. Cooper, uh, the character, tries to be this hedonist character and ends up being just in a relationship, effectively. With um, Michelle, oh, Trachtenberg, Michelle Trachtenberg, yes, right. So like his whole thing is like he wasn't like ready for that. Like right. the, the hedonist thing is only kind of there when you don't have to face consequences. For your actions, except dying. But like, even then, I don't think the grandpa like cares. Like, 
that he's going to die. You know, like his whole thing is like, I know I'm going to die of heroin, but like, I don't care because I'm old. Yeah. So I guess maybe it's not a consequence for him really. Cause that's kind of like the, the tunnel he's driving towards. Right. Although I don't think that he didn't want to die in bed next to his granddaughter. Right. I think he'd, he would obviously regret more that he like hindered her getting to little miss sunshine. Right. The pageant. Um, which, uh, just speaking of funny shit, the scene, everything in the beauty pageant is so funny. Oh man. In the, it's, Craziest way. It's funny because I'm not usually a big cringe comedy guy. Like I have a lot of trouble watching cringy stuff. Can't yeah. get into the office at all. hundred percent with you. And this is, it's a cringe comedy setup, but it's like it's right on the line where it's watchable right. and it's really fun. I guess because it doesn't get into her act isn't fully sexual. Right. It's just sort of like it's weird and like kind of toe in the line. Right. Because the whole thing is you think that the joke is gonna be on them. That the yeah. problem is that her thing is too out there. But they spent that whole sequence where they're in the uh, beauty pageant showing all the other beauty and pageant girls' acts, which are all way, way more worse. sexual. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, really, all she is, they hate her just because she's not polished. Bad. She's not right. polished. Right. And, like, so you think it's going to be this thing where the joke is on her, and it ends up being that the joke is on this whole pageant. Mm -hmm. And, like, it becomes more about we have to protect Olive from these awful people oh man and yeah. as that happens that's where the whole family is at the point where they decide that they need to be there to protect each other yeah it's the freaking best screenplay it's so good no it's great yeah. i mean yeah that's yeah it's just a good screenplay because yeah. there are those there are she is the one thing that brings them together them together i'm thinking about the other scene where you kind of see the cracks in um Dwayne's armor show up yeah. which is when they're in the hospital and he tells olive to hug mom yeah and it's like, I guess it is just how hardship will bring a family together like that, no matter yeah. what. And it, well, he's got the point. Dwayne, especially, so that's Paul Dano's character. Yeah. Um, for context, so he took a vow of silence until he of Friedrich Nietzsche. Because Friedrich Nietzsche, it's like it's like an a thing of like I'm. I'll take a vow of silence until he becomes like a a, a pilot. Yeah. Like he, a pilot. Wants, he wants to be an Air Force test pilot. Right. Which is a very, I guess, a very specific and difficult thing to do. Yeah. I but. Partway through the movie, he discovers that he's colorblind. Right. Which and he him can't fly freaking out about being colorblind because. It, yeah, I mean, it's that moment where you've committed to something so hard and then you are deciding whether to cancel it or not. And it's just a hard decision to make because he's freaking out silently in the car. Right. And then he runs out of the car and he starts yelling. It's the first time you hear his voice in the entire movie. Yeah. It, it, and this is like a huge breakout for Paul Dano, too. Yeah. I, I mean, he was in uh, The Girl Next Door before this. Um, just he was? Years. Yeah. Oh, is he like a friend character or something? Yeah, he's one of the friends. Um, mm -hmm. I don't. I'll be honest. I haven't seen the movie in forever, so I couldn't. Yeah, tell you I want to do it for this podcast. Yeah, would be. I mean, yeah, we got to do that with that and uh, Boogie, uh, Boogie Nights. Nights. Yeah, yeah that'd be good. Cause I haven't seen either of those in a, in a minute. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, so Paul Dan. I mean, it's such a good moment, and also like it's so good because he's screaming at how much he hates him, what like losers there are. Yeah. But then he just the scene where he just immediately apologizes is really really sweet. Well, yeah, yeah, because he's actually just a very. He's not really a shithead teenager. He's just very intense and moody. Yeah, but he's not. He he is. He's not like mean to his family. And the reason, the thing that makes him annoying is him being very dedicated to a, him being very disciplined. Right. It's not him being a shithead teenager who doesn't want to listen to anything. It's that he's so disciplined that he doesn't want to ever speak ever. And he's very rigid about his code of ethics, kind of. Right. Cause he's still in this mindset of winners versus losers. Like that's the central, like, uh, theme of the movie. Yeah. Is this the, the, just sort of the fallacy of people who are winners and people who are losers. And I think once he's kind of broken from that, He's just like seeing people as people again. I mean, he has that incredible moment with him and Steve Carell on the pier where they're like talking about that. Right. Um, which I, I don't know, man. It's just like good. It's it's stuff because like it's way easier to just like rip on bad movies than to just praise good ones. But uh, this one's just really freaking good, man. Yeah. Same with Euro Trip. I, I okay. So here's okay. Let's talk about Euro Trip. Okay. Um, I would say <laughs> it it held up less. There were, there were still, especially in the beginning of the movie, there were a lot of like, oh, that that's like not something you should get away with anymore. Like, okay, yeah, there's it, a lot of like that sounds kind of gay. They say a lot. Yeah, um, it does have a lot of the jokes where it's just um, thinking that somebody might be gay is, is a joke, right? And that's which I don't think is funny, really. No, it's and not. It's like it is both not cool because it's like being offended or upset by the idea of somebody being gay is fucked up. You shouldn't do that. And right. also on top of that, it's lazy joke writing, which right. sucks. Yeah. And I will say, I think th th I, so the first like 10 minutes of this movie, I was very worried that like it was all going to be that. Yeah. Cause there was like, I think three moments of all that. And like within like a five minute span, I was like, Oh God, this is going to be a long watch. But like once they get to Europe, it's like good again. Yeah. Like once they get past that and it's just like a bunch of friends like backpacking across Europe and just like on a mission and whatever, it's, like it's just it doesn't have time to be offensive because all they're doing is bits 
Yeah, and then even weirdly, I did notice that there's the one moment where Scott tells Cooper that he's in love with Mike. Right. And Cooper is weirdly, he's, it's kind of offensive. It's like, textually, the show is kind of offensive with the way it does it, but he is actually being supportive of him possibly being gay. It doesn't seem like he's being facetious. Right. Well, so it's I was like, that's, I guess, a little like checking the plus column is that the character himself actually seemed to be supportive, even if the movie is like not using the right language to do it at all. Right. And also there is the, and, and this is not a defense of the movie because this, again, this is something I really cringed through when I watched it. But like the, the thing of the character is kind of supposed to be the bad character. Like he's the one who's like says dumb, offensive things because right. he's an idiot. Oh yeah, that's true. But also the movie is kind of like, depicting him as the fun one in those moments not yeah. as the dumb like it's sort of unclear if the movie's laughing at him or if he's the voice of like the comedy and it, I, yeah i like to think that it's kind of because he's kind of like the hedonist character who's kind of just okay with everything right so that's kind of part of it i don't know i will say i think that, i think we can just get past and say like those moments aren't the best but right. they're not the worst either right and part of it is plot motivated in that they have to get to the point where uh, Scotty will freak out and like tell Mike to fuck off, but not realize that it's Mika. Which that was is, the like, worst. That was the worst part, part because it's yeah. such a big reaction. Right. To really, I don't even think she really said anything that sexual. No, and and they try. I think they try and get away with it with having Cooper rile him up with this whole like he's gonna like murder you because I think there's a time. When like you know the person you meet on you're talking to someone online they're secretly like a murderer yeah it was like a more common thing now everyone only talks to each other online so like that yeah and that's true you, anyway if you talk to someone in person they're probably a murderer yeah I'm more likely you're more likely to get murdered by your friends and family folks hot tip yeah exactly like people online they, they don't have time for you they they just want to like yell slurs mostly yeah. um which is bad yeah right? I want to be very they clear like, do that's that. also they bad should murder instead yes murdering is is better we're pro murder we're a pro murder podcast. So we're a pro murder podcast. All that I stuff. I want to get that clean quote. All that stuff is, uh, all that stuff sucks. Then they go to Europe and the movie's good again. But yeah. the, before they go to Europe, they go to a party. And at the party is Matt Damon. Scotty doesn't know. And they sing a song called Scotty Doesn't Know. And Which it's a is, fucking banger. It's a good song. It's, it's I've a genuinely to it. good song. We would play that so many times at college. I know. Parties at college because it's a good ass song. It's the funniest thing. It's, 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 Scotty, the main character of Eurotrip, his his uh his girlfriend breaks up with him just for being too like bland or whatever. Yeah, she says he's predictable. Right, and then so he they go to this house party and like the band, the leader of the band is just talking about how he's like his like girlfriend's there and it's like his girlfriend and yeah. then he sings the song Scotty doesn't know which is all about how Matt Damon is fucking his girlfriend without yeah. him realizing it. And then it becomes like a motif song for the rest of the movie because well, all the characters, yeah, because all the characters keep on singing it because it's a good ass song. And then they then they go to the club in uh, uh oh in yeah that's the remix Berlin. yeah there's like a there's like a techno remix of it that like yeah. hit the clubs it's so funny it's so good <laughs> uh and it's great and also fucking great matt damon performance just crazy you know why that came together by the way he was shooting born. something else he was shooting born yeah he was shooting born that makes sense because born is another european european tour right movie. they shot that scene in europe because really? they think they shot the whole thing there really we should have done born versus euro, euro trip that actually would have made more sense it would have been called european tour god damn it we don't okay, have, we we'll don't shut down the podcast no, right we don't now have time to shut go it back. down we don't we okay. don't have time we, we have jobs we have jobs it's so hard to watch two movies we're gonna watch road trip or we're gonna watch born and we're gonna redo this right you know well here's what we do we do born versus road trip for the next one fucking gotcha bitch so yeah what do we call that what do we call I don't know it's not is it do we just call it road trip 2 let's just pick a category and just like call dare people to call us out on it it's just yeah movies involving fuck what happens in road trip I don't know I've never seen it I've never seen Born I know that there's a road trip you've never seen Born uh, not on entirety. I've, only, I've seen it. I've seen all of them on like TNT a million times. I, I know generally what I've happens seen so across much. four, I've seen five that movies so many movies. times. Yeah. Um. So, uh, they go to Europe, and yeah. at this point, the movie is literally just scenes where they explain why they don't go directly to Berlin, right. which is all you know, it's good enough. Yeah. And then just like, basically, just kind of like SNL skits, just sort of like weird, fun one-offs. Yeah. Uh, which all would many of which are very funny. I mean, because that is that is kind of the nature of the road movie or the travelogue movie right. is that it is very episodic because you're going from place to place, which is why I thought these movies would maybe have more in common because they, like you said at the top, they're structurally very similar. Right. They have a problem. They got to go on the road to get to solve the problem. Right. It's the, uh, um, uh, and on the way they do a bunch of shit. There's a fan, there's a, a picaresque, like a character who right. like, you know, just you follow them and they interact different stuff. But like doing the highbrow, lowbrow, I mean, this is an obvious observation in 
Little Sunshine is also very episodic, but each of those moments serve to push the characters closer together and to serve the theme and emotion. I mean, the and characters get pushed together in that a brother, twin brother and sister make out with each other. Right, which is just to say that in Eurotrip, it's the, the things that happen so they can do that jokes. That grossed me out so much more this time watching it than I, when I originally watched it. <laughs> uh, I will say, so the one other highbrow, lowbrow structural thing about these movies is the way it handles them getting to their destination, yeah. which is the biggest moment of the movie, mm-hmm. um, arguably. And it's that it's I think it's the key difference is whether what they were traveling to get, whether it is what they expected or not when they get there, because in Eurotrip, it's exactly what they expected. Right. She's awesome. She immediately loves him. They have sex in a pew at the Vatican and scares him. So a poor woman who's trying to confess that ass going into the confessional window (laughs) got a real big laugh in the theater. I remember that. It was really funny. It's funny. It's really funny. It's dumb, but it's funny. Adds some good physical acting. But from, what? from that butt double. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, yeah, so it's, it's not only is what they were traveling to get what they expected, it's better than what they expected. Right. And then a little bit of sunshine, it's not what they expected. I mean, you could say on a thematic level, they kind of got something they didn't, they didn't expect, which is becoming closer as a family. Right. But the thing itself, they're horrified by the pageant. Right. right. I mean, and that's why, I mean, that's what's, uh, and going backwards, that's why it's so interesting that Eurotrip doesn't do that because the, the writers are like tried and true, like, Screen, uh, uh, sitcom writers who understand that sort of the the Harmon wheel of yeah. you know by the end of the movie they should have they should have what they need but not what they wanted yeah because actually weirdly the the person who does have that arc is Cooper because he right. wants to have crazy European sex and he gets and he up with get, a monogamous relationship yeah he with ends someone up with who Michelle eats, Trachtenberg right which you know and Michelle Trachtenberg gets to be seen as a girl. I guess, which oh, yeah, that's, that's another it's, joke it's that I don't dumb. love. It's kind of the same joke as 50 First Dates, which is calling a woman a man repeatedly. Although, Although this is, with this, with this one, it's a little funnier. It's funnier yeah. because it's just that they're friends with her. Right, because they've been friends for so long. So it's a little more... I, I found I it a little more like sweet it. than problematic. Like, yeah, I actually like it because they're, they're not making fun of her physically. They're just making fun of... They're like, oh, we're friends with you. Boys. You can't be a girl. Right. Which is funny. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, it's also... It's very... It's also light, and it, I, I don't think it's problematic. If it's if it's no. unfunny, it's just because it's a lack of humor, not because of a, a, an offense. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, here's a great thing about this episode. If I ever forget what I'm going to say, I'll just say a funny thing from your trip, because there's a lot of weird, funny shit in this yeah. movie. Like where he fights a mime. Oh, that was... Uh, yeah, the ro- Mr. Robot. Yeah. yeah, a robot mime. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. It, he's doing really good robot yeah. work in that. And what I love about that scene... So in the scene, they're like in line for the Louvre. The line's freakishly long, which is which it is. Yeah. Um, And there's a little mime robot, street performer. Mm-hmm. And Scotty just goes up and starts doing ro- robot bits next to him. I like how absolutely dedicated they are to the robot bit, that they're having kind of a real fight, but they're also only doing robot movements. Right. That's what I love. What's good about that scene is that like Scotty's actually not being a dick for most of it he's just he's on they're they're both doing a performance together yeah because they're both doing a robot fight yeah but scotty breaks the rules when he hits him in the ball <laughs> he does kick him in the dick really hard right and, and then that, yeah i feel kind of bad for the robot man right exactly like that that's the point where the movie becomes like mean-spirited yeah and i think that's like the line that it often skirts and that's when it like goes i don't know movies movies should be allowed to be mean and dumb yeah i agree i think we want meaner movies right and especially like this which you cannot track a central morality to it is just dumb teen sex bits yeah i mean there's kind of scotty's arc is a little bit about being more adventurous and kind of getting out of his comfort zone but he never struggles with that in the movie once he gets to europe he's like he's he's a yes and i guess we're told we're told that he was like that before because right. of by by like his ex girlfriend, right? But also, I mean, maybe he's not because he's competing with Matt Damon, who is who he's got at least the song got a of the lip, summer, and he's got a lip ring. <laughs> How are you going to compete with that? And right. he's Matt fucking Damon. Yeah, he's Matt Damon, and born Matt Damon, the most jacked, most handsome, most dashing Matt Damon. Yeah. I, I think he's in the best shape of his life. Are you going to tell him not to fuck your girlfriend? Yeah. I mean, well, that's so like, how could, can we really trust that Scotty has an issue with being predictable when that's his competition? True. Uh, so really his problem is a lack of knowledge about his it, girlfriend. His problem is that Scotty doing it in his van, in like van every know. Sunday. Right. <laughs> uh, another, yeah. Another random funny part Shit. of Euro trip yeah. is when they go to Eastern Europe and it's played like, it's like currently Soviet. Right. And then they find out they have like a, a dollar thirty-five, and that's and enough it, to get them through, like a five-star hotel. But that did kind of remind me of, um, like, I think that happened in real life. I was in, I was in uh, the Ukraine for a fencing tournament, and this is like two thousand five, so it was like Bush era. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, so we're like, we're a little bit like, I don't think anybody in the rest of the world is going to really like us because Americans are not the most po- is not the most popular country internationally right now. So we're like hanging out in Ukraine. And we're like, obviously a bunch of Americans. This guy comes up to us like, hey, are you, you an American? We're like, yeah, what's up, man? He's like, boxing, American <laughs> boxing. I love it. And he starts like, pan- like pantomime boxing. We're like, okay, cool. This guy loves us. And we hung out with that guy. He's nice. Well, that's something we can talk about, I think. American boxing? No, is America. Like, so the movie. America? America in Europe. Because this movie comes out in 2004, means they filmed it in 2003, which means like they're very much responding to this whole thing of like Americans are these dumb oafs seen like you know that Amer- that we most of Europe kind of hates. Yeah. And the movie I think was pitched as that it was called and filmed uh, as Ugly Americans, mm. and they turned changed it to Euro Trip after like Road Trip was so successful on DVD. Right. I think. Um, so I guess just sort of like a fun context that like I guess. It is basically the same thing that happened to us, where it's like right. you expect everyone to hate us, right? And like it's kind of fun, like when that doesn't doesn't work, like when they go to Amsterdam oh. and you know they uh, uh, they they take they go to a bakery and eat brownies, they think are pot brownies, and they freak out, and it's just regular brownies, and it's just yeah, respect the bakery. bakery, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then also sometimes like uh, um, like not so much, they just they're just like accept as one of the boys, like where they go to oh Man- the, the Manchester soccer United. hooligans are so funny, right? Genuinely, um, is that Vinnie Jones. It is Vinnie Jones. Yeah. I mean, in the Bard, he was born to play because that's just his life. Yeah. I'm sure they just scooped him up off the street and were like, okay, we're going to get some other guys in Manchester United jerseys now because this guy won't take it off or he'll also fight us. I guess what I'm trying to say is that the movie is has nothing to say about America in at this time. Because like, sometimes they're played as the ugly Americans. Sometimes you're, the joke is on the Europeans. And yeah. sometimes like it's just sort of a bit. Yeah, and it's not even... It doesn't really have a... like uniform stance on the europeans either which is you know right because it's a vast tapestry of different countries that aren't all the same as they are often which portrayed. In a, maybe in a way that is a way this movie is progressive and high-minded in that it is yeah. not treating all of your the jokes not always on the europe every european gets its own joke yeah yeah uh yeah and like a lot of them is just like obviously this guy is weird uh, oh like the fred, fred armison character yeah. yes I, I feel like i still hear miscuzzi Used like that is definitely yeah. that's definitely a phrase that has entered popular the popular culture lexicon, which yeah. is as I always say, my dream is to coin a phrase. I just want to write something where people <laughs> ten years later will still be saying part of it. That is a very funny. Statement. It's very funny. Um, it's just like a per- it's like I don't know. It's your classic just sketch comedy thing where you have a bit and then it's like the tunnels. It's, it's yeah. just like it was like he's in the he's in the bench and the tunnel comes and he's in a weird position and, and he's just, like a little more suggestive, a little more coming onto them, but yeah, not in a way that is a gay panic way. He's just. Weird. weird he's just Italian weird. man yeah. <laughs> he's just Italian um, yeah and then and it just hides 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 and the, the last part when it's like big tunnel and his just evil <laughs> evil face staring at him and he's just gone he's totally dropped the act of being like a kindly guy who's like <laughs> accidentally touching your knee he's just like, like devil staring at him and it's the funniest thing in the world and, I, and that's to the movie's credit that it realizes that the joke isn't the way to escalate the joke isn't to make it more comfortable like to, again to not make it a gay panic joke which i think another movie would have done but that to make it about the the absurdity that they keep running into tunnels and yeah. the intentionality of this weird ass dude yeah yeah the fact that <laughs> the fact that he's pretending it's an accident and then when he just drops it at the opportunity <laughs> of a long tunnel <laughs> uh yeah but like i don't know it, it that's why it is kind of tough to talk about the movie because it is just such a setup for jokes it, it, it is yeah it's not immoral i wouldn't even say it's amoral it's just sort of there um, but also so many of the jokes just freaking work. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of like the characters barely have arcs. So there's like the travel guide. I don't know the character name or the actor name. The, the twin they who call is him Fromer or they call him like travel guide or something. Fromer's is the book, his travel guide book. Yeah. yeah. But don't they also, whatever. I, mean, if I want to say his name is Jesse. Maybe it's not. Sure. The, the male twin. Right. He's like the nerd. He doesn't want to do the fun stuff. He wants to do the boring stuff like the museums, mm-hmm. which I would love to do. Yeah. That was great. And but then he doesn't have an arc because he's just rewarded for being good at the museum stuff. I guess is everybody else accepts him for being actually that's the weird thing. Okay. The other people okay, they have an, they have an arc of accepting his interest in culture, right? Because 
at first they're all complaining about how he wants to do travel guide stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at the nude beach, they have the joke that if he, they had gone to the travel guide location, there was it a bunch been, of nude girls there. Right. Instead, it's just a thousand like tourists. Once again, they're punished for their hedonism <laughs> by just being attacked like it's a zombie movie by a bunch of naked guys in the nude beach. Right. And then in the end, he saves everybody by leading a tour group on the Vatican. And then he gets his dream job. And then he gets a dream job. So really, he's a straight line throughout the movie. He is always pl- right. So, and the other people have to come around to it. Maybe there is, again, reaching so hard here, but maybe there is a way of like tracking kind of a similar arc as in Little Miss Sunshine. Like Little Miss Sunshine, the characters all kind of learn to accept themselves, warts and all. Like they kind of learn yeah. that this idea that there's good people who are winners and bad people who are losers is like that toxic mentality is the bad thing. Yeah. But is he like the, oh no, because well, he kinda, has even less, he's like the mom. I think they just kind of learn to stop like, having expectations for things as much right like of a specific way things like should be like you know cooper learns that like you know you keep trying to force this crazy european sex holiday he's missing out on just you know like a, a happy monogamous relationship right uh i mean maternal tractor's character is has no arc but well, she's she just like, she has the fantasy of the european hunk kind of right and she oh i guess you're right she she meets him and, then and she's, she is once again punished for her hedonism this movie <laughs> is weirdly punishing all its characters for wanting to have a european sex vacation and it ends up with half of them in relationships with each other well more than half, they're all in relationships not the, except, for, except for the guy he's in, he's married to his job yeah, he's married to his job he's married yeah. to his job as being a, yeah. a tour guide he's the only one he's the only one and also you know okay so the guy who is the non-hedonist is the only one that like he hooks up like a girl like blows him in an alley <laughs> well, he was rewarded for his lack of hedonism like he's rewarded for being himself for not like ever yeah, like fronting he's a straight line he has no character arc at all right like he doesn't he says like i'm this dork who likes cameras and he just meets eventually meets the, it, the movie if it's doing anything is teaching you to just be yourself and the yeah. world will come to you and, yeah and that's not a bad message for a graduation comedy yeah you know and weirdly it like provides a perfect <laughs> model for it in this one character <laughs> <laughs> who, who just is himself, is a nerd, is not really apologetic about it, gets everything he wants. <laughs> it's it okay. It's it's not not there, right? It's, no, it's definitely it's there. Definitely there. Okay, yeah. it's something. It's we we found something, and I thought Euro Trip was just a joke machine. It's it has a plot. Yes, it has a theme. It's a great movie, Josh. Although just it, accept it. I will say, there except is, for with the asterisk of there's a couple not so great, you yeah, know, gay jokes. But you might want to skip up until the part where he says guy doesn't know, and then skip again to the part where Cooper like tricks a girl into taking her top off. That's not that's not the thing that we we like to see. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was fourteen, right. I was so into it. Right. That's like the most important moment. Of I'm your sorry. Life. I'm sorry, guys, but I was fourteen and there were boobs as big as house. What are you going to do? Yeah. No. It's we, we've all grown since yeah. you were fourteen. Yeah. Uh yeah, so uh pivoting to Luma Sunshine, which is a better movie. Uh which is not to say that Eurotrip is a bad movie, yeah. but Luma Sunshine is a is a great movie. Okay, yeah. It, it, no, it really is. It's a five star. Yeah, and I'm so I want to talk about uh uh Greg Kinnear's character, the father. Right. Okay, he's an interesting character. Right, because it's really interesting because I think when I first time I saw the movie, I was kind of like, all these guys are a little messed up. They're all dealing with the same concept, like problem. Right. And they're all coming together. And it's interesting how much this time he was almost the villain of the movie. That's I mean, from from I don't remember the first time I watched this movie, but yeah. like from the jump, I was just like, I mean, that's kind of a type of person that I find not only incredibly unlikable and like damaging, but also I think increasingly common in internet culture, which is like toxic positivity. Right. The the hustle grind culture. Right. Which is people, such bullshit. Yeah, people who are just like constantly posting just like self-affirmative like post on Instagram and stuff that are just kind of meaningless, but also like are weirdly judgmental. Right. That stuff of like, Oh, you spent a thousand dollars on your phone. Why don't you just start a business with that money? And you're like, motherfucker, I need a phone to do my job. (laughs) If I had a business, I need a phone. (laughs) And what business am I starting for the price of an iPhone? Yeah. I go into like $800. You cannot found a, you can't get a fucking permit for $800 in Los Angeles. And it's also like the same people who will post something where it's like, Oh, like, you have to like hustle and grind and not like just go to the club and hang out with your friends, but also be like constantly posting about how like you got to spend time, you got to like make time for yourself. And it's all about like improving yourself. It's all about self care. So I'm like, yeah, you're just being judgmental on all fronts. It does. You don't have a unified like point of view. It's just that like I suck. Right. And so he's very much caught up in this. There's winners and losers mentality. He's like really is the avatar for that like and and the movie really hinges on him like he is the right. focal point when he breaks 
and dances with Olive is when the whole family follows. Yeah, and he's like the most threatening, not thre- not like physically threatening, but he it's very threatening the way that he interacts with Olive earlier on, like right. the ice cream the scene. Ice cream scene. So I have a funny little story about the ice cream scene. Uh-huh. Um, I went in, in high school English, we had to bring an example of like satire into school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did not bring that scene. I brought in a scene from Network. Okay. Uh, but before that, they showed that scene where... Um, uh, for those of whom haven't seen it, uh, Olive, the daughter, orders ice cream at a restaurant they stopped at, and the dad kind of like bullies her out of it. You know, he's sort of because well, Olive's a little bit yeah. overweight. Yeah, she, and she, yeah, she's like a little bit of like a pudgy kid in like a normal way, right? And he, he he's like, oh well, ice cream makes you fat, and like, do you want to be fat? Like, yeah, it's he does it in a smarter way than that. Yeah, like, and I'm, it's like not necessarily wrong. It's just that he does it in like a body shaming way instead of like a health way, right? And it's kind of like, I I mean, look, as someone who has struggled with like body image issues myself like that's like a very real my parents would never say anything to that to me but like that's a conversation you have with yourself when you're really worried about your weight as someone with a perfect body who has never struggled with it i can't relate right but i'll believe what you say i'm not looking to you for for help i have like other people in my life who have emotions who i can go to it's fine i can Um, take my shirt off if you want to look and see what a perfect body looks like i don't i've seen it it's fine nice (laughs) (laughs) said it's fine i'll take it (laughs) Uh, fuck, what was I saying? Uh, yeah, Little Miss Sunshine. So that scene, so that scene, uh, freaking killed in English class. It was like, because I went to that's some, not satire. I know. Okay, that was my that was what I was thinking. Okay. I'm sitting there like fucking steaming that like my whole time to do my presentation about network, which is a satire, right? Is being taken. But like that scene, it was like it was literally like it was like a 48 minute class period. 40 minutes of it was uh people arguing about that scene. Or about like, whether it's satire or not, or about well, about the content of the scene. Right, about like winners and losers, about like, you know, should you... Because, you know, you don't... I, if you, if I had a kid, I wouldn't want them to be overweight because that's unhealthy. You know, and, it's, and, you know, it sets you up to get a lot of shit in life, which you, I wouldn't want them to get. But also, I wouldn't want them to feel bad about... You know, it's like a tough yeah, situation. You don't, you don't want to get at, like... You don't want to go about it the wrong way. Where it's like, you don't want to make them healthy by making them feel bad about themselves, right. which is what he's doing. And in general, there's this tension in the scene between, you know being driven to succeed and uh, not being a piece of shit to your children. I get, you know, and like being human and like accepting failure and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so it's 40 minutes of everyone in the class arguing over that. We're like, oh man, network's going to blow their mind. I show them network. You like, fool. And a good network, which is a network is a better movie than Little Miss Sunshine, but they're both like five star movies. Yeah. Um, and I just remember being like so excited. like, oh man, Little Miss Sunshine. And I was like, all right guys. Like, and I was I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to have to go to the next class or something. Like keep talking about it. And I show them like a scene where like, in network, they're like going to do like a um, a reality show following like terrorists. Like that's like one of the things they mm-hmm. do. And then you just look at everyone's like, oh, so what do you guys think? And they're all just like stone face. Yeah, just nothing. They just people don't, you know. don't understand satire. Like <laughs> the general public does not understand satire. It's like a huge problem. I guess the, the only point of that story is that the all the the scene where they're arguing over ice cream is just like very universally like upsetting to people in oh, a yeah, way that I think sure. is really interesting. Yeah, and it's also it's. Even more upsetting because he's not, you know, he has the right motivation, right? But he's doing it in just this awful way, right? And you, but it's, it would be like impossible to explain to him why it's awful, right? It's 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 this tough thing that I think the movie understands well. Of there's nothing wrong with inspiring each other to succeed and going for greatness, but like when you start dividing actual humans into categories of winners which are good and losers that are bad, is when you that that thing is sort of becomes corrupted. Yeah. And it's also when it becomes dogmatic, it's not yes. like really rooted in logic or like a strategy for success. It's just this concept that success is a be all end all of life. And that the only yeah. way to do it is this dogmatic way, which is like, it is dogmatic. He has like a nine step system. It's like a cult. Yeah. And that, and like, I think the movie has to make him that aggressive and off putting. And I get very highbrow move to make a character be that, be that off-putting and still become redeemed in a way. Like, mm-hmm. the movie's not asking you to be on his side, but it is asking you to empathize with him. Right. Uh, and then, the man, the moment where he gets doesn't get the book deal, because Brian Cranston uh, tells him no, um, and then, like, his grandpa, or his dad, kind of comforted him. Like, that's a really emotional oh, scene. Oh, yeah, that scene was great. Because at first, he rejects the dad, and then he... Like he 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 like mentally realizes that his dad is actually trying to help him, and he like holds his hand. Yeah, and he he says he eventually says thanks, dad. It's like a very long awkward silence after he tells him like to screw off. And yeah, then he just says thanks, dad. Yeah, I love I love scenes like that Fucking of just people people being being we friends, being family, and accepting help. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of a big theme in this movie in general. I was I made a note that like everyone they meet or almost everyone they meet just is not helpful. 
like there's so many just like casual people who are just like a little bit unmean, a little bit not helping them. Like the the who's, the, who's the woman at the hospital? The woman at the hospital. Oh, the hospital. Yeah. The woman at they at when they first get the little Miss Sunshine is unhelpful. Okay. Yeah, I'd say on that on like the later end, like the bureaucratic people. I mean, the cop also. I mean, obviously, but, Richard's no, actually, an idiot. Because the cop lets him. Eventually. The cop is helpful. He yeah. starts off coming in real hot. Who comes on? Yeah, I mean, he's he's, he's pulling over. He's a cop pulling over guy. Yeah, I mean. But then he's kind of weirdly like on his side. Well, that's because he finds the the porn, porn mag, which is very. And funny. he's like, <laughs> the moment where he finds the gay porn mag is funny because you'd think that it would be like the, the, turn. the turn would be that he would like arrest him right then and there. Right. But he just kind of gets like put off put and leaves. Right. And then I'd say the I think it's like the the non bureaucratic people. Although I mean, cops are an agent of bureaucracy, but whatever. The mm-hmm. cop the cop is a little bit more nuanced. But we don't have to get into it. Mm-hmm. But like the uh, the mechanic is very helpful, yeah. Because the mechanic he, he tells them the unhelpful oh, solution, which right. is that they can get it on, like in a week. Mm-hmm. But then he kind of plays he gives ball. Them a solution, yeah. He's like, if you're going to be scrappy, this is how you do it. Yeah. Uh, but like, I was thinking that because when they get to Little Miss Sunshine, there's the, they're like two minutes late, and there's a yeah. woman who's like, you know, screw off. You're just like, like basically this whole thing of like you're losers because you didn't get here, so you don't get to sign up. And that one guy is like, I can just sign him up. It takes five minutes. Yeah. And, and he's and like, I am not working here next year. And their guys and their family's response like, you don't know what this means to us. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess this idea that like just taking like a few minutes out of your day to be good to someone else is like such a powerful thing. And it's like, like the glue that keeps society alive. Yeah. Cause they, yeah, they do run into a lot of decency or it's actually, actually now that I'm thinking about it, that, that connecting thread of all those scenes is they're initially met with indecency right. and they are given like an olive branch of some decency. Right. Which in the Little Miss Sunshine competition is two different people. Right. With the cop, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. And then with the mechanic, it's the same person. Mm-hmm. And then in the hospital, she's just kind of uh, sucks the entire time. Yeah, she's very different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, I don't know. It's just very interesting to me, especially because I think Honestly, they, that dynamic yeah. happens in the family where they're all being very proactively uh, unhelpful to each other in a lot of ways. Yeah. Like they're kind of see each other as adversaries because they're not, they're all kind of disappointing to each other at first. Right. And then by the end of the movie, they're all, I think they've all accepted a little more of their own failings and they're able to see the ways in which they can support each other. Like Dwayne coming in and like going to his mother and being like, you can't let Olive go on. Right. Like, like so when previously he just like wouldn't give a shit. He's just like, they are, they're going to laugh at her. You have to protect her. Yeah. Like that's really emotional. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Man. It's a great movie. It's a really, really good movie. I don't, I don't have that much more to say about it. Just a good ass movie. Well, it just, it, because I, 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 I somehow is underrated. Because it's a movie that people still when they go every to time I talk, just every time I mention it to almost anybody, they just kind of go, "Oh yeah, it's a great movie." That's the maybe it's not remembered that well other than as being good. I guess it's tough because like, what? How do you, do you define how a movie is like remembered these days? You know, I mean, I, Little Miss Sunshine isn't on Netflix at this moment, so maybe that's why people don't talk about it. I bet you if it, if it showed up on Netflix, it would show up on like the top ten. Instantly. But I mean, how much do you talk about? a specific movie because i mean like saving private ryan is a very remembered movie i don't talk about it very much that's true it doesn't just like come up in, ca- in casual conversation but everybody you know everybody almost maybe i guess it's like anybody you meet has probably seen it unless they're you know yeah. young part of it is how we like get the media you know like when we when we're reading about movies it's usually because it's by a director you know there's like a top 10 list or whatever and little Miss sunshine is kind of like this odd little duck that kind of like I mean, Michael Arndt is still one of the most successful screenwriters in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Dayton and Ferris have made other movies since then that are of varying degrees. Some of which I've, uh, you know, Battle of the Sexes, which I, I liked a good amount. And, yeah. Um, I haven't seen some of their other stuff. But, like, it's not very quotable. Right. It doesn't have a lot of big set pieces. I mean, well, it, has the, a, it has a couple set pieces. The, the RV continually getting a little more broken down. Like, the fact them... When the door comes off in the end, I laughed real right, hard. The door coming off at the end and the car, the car constantly honking and them mm-hmm. missing the exit. Like, that's just great physical comedy. Right, but it's not quotable. It's right. not... I, I'm, I'm thinking about in, it in terms of, like, long-term cultural relevancy. Yeah. It's not that kind of movie. Yeah, I think it, the movie's... In a way, Eurotrip is more of that a kind of movie. A little bit, yeah. I mean, weirdly, Little Miss Sunshine's biggest legacy... Uh, other than Alan Arkin winning an Oscar and Michael Arkin winning, you know, the Oscars that won, is that like it became the shorthand for uh, Sundance Film Festival movies that like were small and quirky and like made a ton of money and were successful. Yeah. Like every, people still will go to Sundance and say they're looking for the next Little Miss Sunshine. Right. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I mean, it also it. it gave us Abigail Breslin. That's true. It gave Although, us Paul Dano to some extent. Okay. Yeah. Paul Dano. The big, I mean, it was Steve Carell's first foray into dramatic acting, which right. he's done very well since. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, also, again, Alan Arkin winning an Oscar is just freaking great. I love yeah. Alan Arkin. Yeah, I know it's sort of great. just like him being like a crotchety old man, but he's an actor who has given really trans, like impressive performances before. So like, just, you know, yeah. at this point, just, just give the Oscars to the right people. I don't care what year. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't know. I mean, they're all freaking great. Abigail, okay, so Abigail Breslin is so good in this movie. Oh yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, which makes sense because it's she also was nine. Yeah, like she's a really she was a really good actress. And also, when you see bad medium to bad child acting. <laughs> You understand how hard it is to find really good child actors. And then when you see this kid who's just able to like capture emotion this well and be not just like cute in a kid way, but actually convey emotion, yeah. very complex emotion, mm -hmm. it's, I don't know, she's really good. Oh, yeah. And it's the kind of thing that like sometimes there's good child performances and it's a lot of it just feels like them reacting to stuff. You know, like uh, the kid in, um, in Room. Uh, yeah. Just for example, I mean, I think that's a very good performance, but but it is a lot of like crazy stuff going around him and him being like, oh, but, you know, it feels like something the director kind of worked around. Yeah. But, like they're giving Abigail Breslin has some like tough line reads. She's got they they give her like monologues. Like, yeah. It's not an easy performance. And then I'd also say there's the other kind of like good quote good kid acting, which is the kind of wise beyond their years kid. Yeah. Which is kind of a shortcut to making them seem like a like complex character it's just that it's a kid being written by an adult so they sound smarter right but about abigail breslin is not wise beyond her years she's just a kid mm -hmm. and she's very cute and very genuine yeah she's like yeah and she's just good at that she's not it's not a it's not a trick in that she's being written by adults i mean she is being written by adults right. but as a kid yeah it's not like uh well i don't actually know what example the precocious kid thing birch but you know there is that i mean like there. simon birch kind of, not simon birch um uh, the, the same kid. It's uh. I don't know what Simon Birch is. What are you talking? No, no, no. I, it, it's the kid actor. It's uh, oh my god, damn it! We're starting the game early. Is it? Is it Haley Joel Osment? No, no. Is no. it Jacob Tremblay? No, is no. It? You're not going to get it. I don't know the kid's name. It, it's from. The, I might know the kid's name. Show me the money. Show me the money. That movie. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Yeah, the John kid from Jerry Maguire is kind of yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, he does like MMA now. What? He's like ripped. Cool. Yeah, yeah. No, weird, right? I don't really is have like good. I, no, I think he does it just like she trains it. Oh, he's not like a fighter. No, but there's like pictures of him being like with like the gloves on being like ripped to shit. It was like a Jewish star tattoo and shit. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a take on that. It's just interesting. No. Yeah. Just weird bits. All right. They should they should do a <laughs> late requel of Jerry Maguire where he's just jacked. And uh, then he could be the the sports client. Oh yeah, because he does like MMA or he's an MMA fighter yeah. and he's the client. That's really funny. Yeah. Uh let's do a little actor corner. I think we already kind of did. Uh but yeah, while I mean, we're here. I mean, Steve Carell, I think, is really, really, really good in this movie. Yeah, and uh, um, the number, the number one Proust scholar. Yeah, Proust. Proust. Yeah, it's Proust. He's Proust. Yeah, I, I trust you. I don't actually. I've um, read nothing by Proust. And then uh, I've read like excerpts. Um, and then on your trip, Jeffrey Tambor. Oh yeah, another another. Funny enough, just like Hangover, he just plays like the kind of aloof dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, yeah very <laughs> Wait, funny. The line. Okay, not not to do lines we found funny, do but it, this man. is line of podcast when uh, they're. They're stuck in Eurotrip. They're stuck in. They're stuck in Europe. And he says, "Don't worry, my dad. My parents will come find me if they, if I go missing." Yeah. And the mom goes like, "Where's Scotty?" And Jeffrey Tambor is like, "Oh, he went out. Okay, with his he went friend. camping with his friend." Yeah. And then she's like, "Where's our other son?" He's like, "Fuck if I know." <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's funny. Jeffrey Tambor, very funny. Yeah. Uh, Vinny Jones mentioned as the hooligan. Vinny Jones is great. I got it. If, uh, I won't do the whole bit, but I got to give credit to the fact when they ask him to sing the Manchester United fight song and he sings nine to five by Sheena Easton in a moment, he just fucking brings it up. And yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Um, Fred Armisen is the Italian guy. Fred Armisen's great. great. Is it that wasn't Peter Stormare as the like the Czech guy? No, no, no it's not. It's an. Was it the? Is it Boris the Blade? From um oh yes from uh, uh from snatch snatch is it that actor mm, isn't Boris Dennis Farina or am I thinking of a different character I w I was right we looked it up it is Rade Serbajij I'm not gonna try it again it he's he's Boris the Blade from snatch he's he's the Bratislava guy uh, okay Bratislava is nothing like that Bratislava no so, oh yeah Boris Bratislava I've been to Bratislava too Bratislava is yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, okay, other actor corner, uh, Brian Cranston as uh, oh yeah, like Stan Grossman, and the cop is uh, Dean also, Norris from yeah. Breaking Bad. I mm -hmm. looked it up because I was like, okay, you know, because obviously they shoot Breaking Bad in New Mexico. This family is from New Mexico. Yeah, uh, just total coincidence. Yeah, they yeah, didn't start filming the Breaking Bad pilot for like years after this. Um, also interesting. So uh, this is super stupid or kind of interesting. I can't tell, but. Stan Grossman is the name of uh, um, Brian Cranston's character, who is like trying to get is the that book the deal. Tropic Thunder character. No, oh. it's it's the character. Oh, it's Lev Grossman. It's a character in Fargo. Oh, and the crazy thing is, is like Michael Arndt, like set like wrote it as just sort of like a reference to Fargo. Yeah, but now like 
online. It's just like he's like the same character to people. There's like Wikipedia's where That's it's like really the connected funny. universe between Little Miss Sunshine, and, even though that character is hella old in Fargo. I know people love doing that. Although even Fargo, the TV show at this point, does that kind of creative continuity with um with Hansi, yeah. Hansi, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although I did like how they connected the first season to the movie. I thought that was very clever. Yeah, yeah. Good show. Great. One of the best shows. Yeah. Not. It's not gonna be in my rec uh, for this one because yeah. that'd be weird. I'd say. Fargo season two, I think, is one of the best seasons of TV. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think you know, they rank, I rank them two, one, three. Although I do, I think three has that David Doolis performance, which is just like three is great all time great villain performance. Four was fine. I haven't seen it yet. Four is kind of hard to rank. Yeah, I, it doesn't I, feel like Fargo as much. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. Just, it's it's good. my list. It's still good because it's still Fargo. But. Yeah, I think that and like Devs came out around the same time, but I was like working a ton and I just missed them both. And I, uh, I really want to see them both. I like Devs. Devs was kind of didn't pay off as much as I wanted. Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, that's Actor Corner. I don't think there's, I mean, Matt Damon, obviously, doing the Lord's yeah. work. Yeah. Um, and every single person in Little Miss, all the whole family in Little Miss Sunshine is great. Uh, and, and Greg Kinnear, who I feel like didn't get the. I guess he does like religious movies now mostly. Really? Yeah, but he is very good in this movie. Huh. It's just that I think like, you know, when you're ranking the family, it's like, I feel like Dano and Carell and Arkin are like the clear like standouts. Yeah. And Breslin. And, and then there's some... There and also, to- Tony Collette is the mother, got to say it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no. And then there's some like side... I just noticed some comedy actors that you see a lot. Like... The woman who runs the pageant, right. I've seen her a lot. She's I don't, a, I should, I don't know her name. She does plays that kind of role a lot. She was in a very. Uh, I feel like Donnie Darko. She does that role, right? And yeah. that's like a very. I mean, that's like the most heightened version of that. Yeah, and then like the her handler, the woman who the woman who's kind of like a, like a uh, stage manager or something with the oh, headset. Yeah. She, I've recognized her in comedy stuff, but I yeah. can't remember her name. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say uh, trying to trying to do a highbrow lowbrow like on a bigger level. I think the big lesson here is that when you're looking at road trips, it's just sort of like how you're like you can do the same thing to get different ends where it's it's a a road trip is just a structure that lets you do episodic things without it feeling like you're just doing bits. And also, yeah, because and yeah, because that is the nature of road trips in real life. It is kind of episodic. Yeah. So in 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 a lowbrow comedy setting setting that lets you just do a bunch of unrelated jokes and in a highbrow comedy setting that lets you basically throw a lot of different trials at your characters and kind of like wear them out to get them closer. Yeah, which is kind of how comedy bits work too because you have your characters who have their personalities that's static and you mm-hmm. want to put them in different situations, which is like what a sitcom is. Yeah. And you're just doing that on like rapid fire because it's a travelogue. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like both these movies. Uh, I think Little Miss Sunshine uh, is... I mean, I was expecting it to be like, oh man, what a good movie. I'm glad I watched that. And it was like... I, I, I watched it during work and normally when I watch things during work... Um, um, it, it's just sort of like I'll, I'll play a bit, watch a little bit there, watch a little there. I'll do other stuff all that. And like this time, I literally was like, I'm just gonna not do my job for an hour while I watch this, <laughs> yeah. which is fine because I was a temp at the time. But I have a I have a different job starting soon, so I won't watch movies on that job. Good for you, man. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm friends with my new boss. It's Jen who we've worked for before. Right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe she could listen to the podcast. I don't want her to think I'm slagging off. Yeah, we love you, Jen. <laughs> yeah. And if you're not listening, go to hell. <laughs> I don't know why I would say that. If she's yeah, not listening, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. If you're if you are listening, find Jen and tell <laughs> her to go to hell. hell. <laughs> uh, would you like to play a game? I would love to play a game. I think we've said all there is to say about these movies. Yeah, I think we can close we the can book. eject. All right. All right. So this is our letterbox game. We find we pick one of our movies, we go on Letterboxd, which is a social media app for movies, and we find a list on which our movie appears. And then we try, we got two minutes on the clock, and I'm going to try to get Josh to guess as many of the movies as I can. Okay. This time, the movie is Eurotrip, and it appears on the list Secret Matt Damon. <laughs> All the movies in which. There's surprisingly a lot of them, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah. It is by a list by Hesse, and it is movies in which suddenly there is Matt Damon. Okay. I'm All ready right. to go. I think I, I could probably name a few off the bat, but I want, I want to, let's play this game. And ready, set, go. All right, first one. It's got a uh, space bookshelf, big ass waves. Oh, Interstellar. Okay, next one is a uh, remake of a fifties western. It's got a guy named after an animal. Oh, it's uh, it's western. by two directors who are kind of quirky. oh, True Grit. Okay, next one. It's a uh, it's a Marvel thing, but it's kind of like the marketing. Oh, uh, Thor all like, three. Yeah, well, Thor Ragnarok. All right. Okay. Next one. It's um, Matt Damon doesn't show up till super late. It's a war thing. Very famous. <laughs> Same for Ryan. Yeah. Okay, it's our movie. <laughs> Oh, it's your trip. Okay. Yeah. Next one, it's a uh, little fish girl, very cute. Oh, 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 Japanese. Pan- Panyo, Panyo, yeah. Panyo. 
Okay, this one uh, shot with an iPhone. Oh, uh, 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 fuck the laundromat. No, 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 no the other one. Oh, uh, uh, she, she's uh, she's a crazy person. Oh, oh, insane. Yeah, she's not she's not crazy. That's the whole point. Go on. Right. Oh, sorry. Okay. Um. Okay. This next this next one. I just realized I put an hour and a half on. <laughs> How much time do we have? Okay, you got thirty seconds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, oh, shit. Okay, he's a super annoying superhero who is... Deadpool. Not, yeah, but it's not... Deadpool 2. Yeah, okay. Next one, it's about... Um, it's a food that's magical. It's uh, it's like an Italian food. It's got share in it, I think. I don't know shit about this movie. W- Wolf's... Uh, no. Moonstruck? Fucking... No, the other the other pizza one. Oh, God damn it. Okay, okay what next was that one. one? Oh, Mystic Pizza. Okay. There's five seconds left. <laughs> okay, this one... They're uh they're looking for somebody. It's a um by this no it's over. What was that one? <laughs> Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Chasing Amy. Uh, that's funny. I forgot who's. You know what's really funny? That entire time, every single time I finally got it, I, my my brain was one. I was like, Hey Josh, you know what you should say? I forgot he was in that. Yeah. <laughs> like eight times in a row. And you got eight. Eight's good. You, oh, you counted? I counted. Yeah, too. it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, we did get thrown off a little bit when I realized I put an hour and a half on the timer. We would have, we could have gone through we all of it. I think we could have gotten Chasing Amy, although looking for someone was kind of hard because it's not really what they It's tough because I haven't seen Chasing Amy. Yeah. The funniest one there was Unsane because I actually 100%, if you had me sit down, if you had me sit down and write the surprise Matt Damon's, yeah. I, could, I think we could have gotten every all of them, but the Unsane is a really surprise Matt Damon. What does he do in it? I mean, it's so spoilers un- for Unsane, I guess. But. Un- it's not a spoiler. Uh, oh, okay. So Unsane is uh, a woman is basically being stalked Yeah. Um, by this guy. And like without getting into anything else, that's like what the plot of the movie is. Uh, so there's a part where she is like getting really nervous about it, so she hires like a stalking expert. Mm-hmm. Like someone who's uh, like okay. a stalking security expert to like basically give her advice, all the different things he can do, who's like seen it before, like things to do about the house. And, and it's just Matt Damon. And he's there for like maybe 80 seconds and they, and they don't even there's not even a scene where like they're like oh this is the talking expert it's like hi i'm matt damon the stalking expert like yeah it's just sort of like a, a voiceover starts of him describing stuff and it's like is that matt damon's voice and then it's just like him like walking around the outside of the house looking at stuff interesting and it's like so incidental it's very soderbergy um i love soderbergh Soderberg's great. he's got a new movie on hbo max we need to watch it yeah which one kimmy Oh, oh, that's Soderbergh. Yeah. Okay. And check it out. No sudden move. Also his. Okay. The other thing, the other one that we didn't get to that you would have freaked out is Happy Feet Two with Bill, oh, Will, and Bill the Krill. Will, 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 Will the Krill, Bill the Krill. You gotta see. You gotta see Happy Feet Two just for Will and Bill the Krill. Well, Happy Feet Two is is so weird because I none of the stuff with the penguins works for me. No, but Will and Bill the Krill is a saga. That There's a lot pays of, off, and and the walrus or the, the the seals who refuse to walk backwards ever, yes. and like like there's a lot of other fun stuff. It's like a lot of weird short stories along these very idiosyncratic animals, and you cut these dumb penguins every once, which in a while. I just don't care about at all. Yeah. Oh God, it's so. Honestly, unironically, not doing a bit. If you want, you it, you could do worse than to spend ninety minutes watching Happy Feet. It's too. very fun. You can like do it while folding laundry or something. Right, it's very fun. Whenever though. the whenever the penguins are on screen, you fold, you fold, you fold. You see the krill, you stop folding. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna stop folding no matter what. You can't you can't do other stuff. <laughs> All right, you got your Rex? Uh, yeah. So um, this is I'm gonna recommend a um an artist like a musician, mm. uh, Stromae. Oh, Stromae's great. Stromae's yeah. great. So he, um, oh, Euro, Euro trashy, kind of on theme for us. Yeah. So he's, uh, I mean, I, I remember in like 2013, 2014 was his last album. Yeah. But I didn't realize that he hadn't had an album since then. Yeah. So I was getting into him now because he's going to be at Coachella. I'm going to Coachella. I'm excited to see him. And I, so he had, he's, his first album in uh, uh, nine, nine years. Yeah. I didn't realize he was still active because I know him from Lord on Dons. Yeah. Though that's, that was his last album. Okay. Yeah. So his first album in nine years is coming out. I'm very excited. Cool. The first few singles are out so far. It's like Sante, which is great. Uh, so, I mean, he does a great performance with it on Fallon. And he's from like Belgium, right? He's not Dutch. No, no, he's, he's not French. French. He's French, I think. We'll look it up. Click it, clack. I thought he was French because he's very, very popular in France. He's Belgian. Okay. I was right. Well, the French have accepted him as their own, yeah. which is tough because I mean, I'm he's told. Belgian. Yeah. That, <laughs> that's how good he is, is that the French accepted him as a Belgian man. Uh, anyway, I've been, I've been just rocking, listening to a lot of Stromae, tuned from work, tuned from the gym, all that all shit. Right. So Stromae fucking rules. That's my rec. What do you got? I'm going to go with Pam and Tommy. It's a new series on Hulu. It's written by uh, Seth Rogen. Is it also Evan Goldberg? I should have looked this I up. I don't think it's written by no, Seth it, Rogen. It's, it's, he acts it? in it, right? I, I think he produced it. I know it's directed by Craig Gillespie. He's done uh, um, our favorite movie. I like how every time I make a recommendation, I ask you to explain it. <laughs> I don't think it's one of the things he wrote. Uh, Robert Siegel is the showrunner. Robert Siegel's great. He right. wrote The Wrestler. 
Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, and then yeah, I think I think Seth Rogen might be a producer on it, but he does yes. act in it. And it is just like it's really crazy, really well written. It goes in kind of unexpected directions and a lot of interesting kind of interesting visual stuff and just it's very well solidly written. What's it about? Oh, it's about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee having their sex tape stolen and released and kind of like the birth of the celebrity sex tape, which yeah. is a really crazy it's one of those things that when you we first heard the announcement for it, it was we were like, why would what you do this? a story yeah. about that? And then when you think about it, it's such a crazy kind of watershed moment in our culture that has led to so much of, you know, how the internet is now. Yeah. And then also, these are the roles that Sebastian Stan and Lily James were born to play. <laughs> Sebastian Stan, he's not as good a like. So Lily James is like a really good likeness of Pam Anderson. Yeah. And she's doing a really good impression. Yeah. And then Sebastian Stan is just doing, he's just so funny as Tommy Lee. And he's just doing the he's just it's great. Yep. He just really catches the vibe, even though he doesn't quite look as like him as much. Yep. You know, the show's great. I'm all, I'm part way through it. Maybe it's gonna take a dive, but so far I'm recommending it. People seem to be liking it. I've I'm seeing I'm seeing some chatter online. They seem to like it. I think I've I've heard there's a there's a talking penis in it. Yeah. Voiced by Jason Manzukis, who is my favorite. I mean, he's if he's you're the gonna, best, yeah, if you're gonna have actor. if you're gonna have somebody be the voice of a talking penis, you, you get you get you get, man, you get the zooks. You get he should be your first, second, and third call. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm right. still waiting for the Jason Manzuka's dramatic role. I, yeah, I mean, I still I want Legion. I, season, I want his punch drunk love. He plays the big bad wolf in in Legion, which is a little tongue in cheek, but is tr- mostly serious. Yeah, but I want him to I want him to to headline a, a P.T. Anderson movie. I think that's his next move. I I can see that P.T. Anderson does like grabbing like actors you wouldn't expect here and there. I think he'd be good. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Speaking of, we got to see Licorice Pizza. It's been so me I'm too for so long. Like that that and Drive My Car have just been like I know I love them both. Yeah, I know. Some a bitch. Uh, All right, thanks. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook for yeah. both of them. It's HBLB Podcasts. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye forever. forever.